Welcome to the Get Lusty Podcast. Hello, this is Erica Gregg of Get Lusty for Couples. I am here with the wonderful Bonnie Gabriel, a best-selling author, speaker, and educator. Bonnie is dubbed the Professor of Pillow Talk. I'm so excited, Bonnie, to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Erica. Glad to be here. Wonderful. Uh, so, erotic talk. Uh, tell us, how did you get here? How did you get to this wonderful status of being the Professor of Pillow Talk? Well, it's kind of an interesting journey. I have always been very sensitive to voice, tone, sound. I love men with great resonant voices, and I love singers I listen to on the radio. That just I found it a real turn on that voice. And but I never seriously considered writing about it until I was out of college. I had a master's in counseling psychology, and I had a friend who was producing a series of seminars on sexual education, sexuality and sexual education for couples. And she put them on once a year, and she asked me to come to the first one and to evaluate it as so she could have a better one the next year. So I did, and I said, well, you know, you have these wonderful, very serious seminars on, on sensuality and sexuality, and you have some playful ones. And what I'm noticing about the playful ones is that they cover most of the senses. You have a visual one. We had sensual dancing, how to dance for your mate in an erotic fashion. So that's kind of visual. Then you had one on how to couple a sensual massage for couples. So that's touch, kinesthetic touch. Then you actually had one on selecting exotic erotic perfumes. So that's the sense of smell. And then she had one on chocolate tasting. I mean, she was really going into all the senses, so of course that's the sense of taste. I said, but you know what you neglected? The sense of sound, of hearing, the auditory sense. She said, what a great idea. Would you consider creating a workshop on the topic? So that's when I started thinking a lot of talk, sensual talk. So I put together a workshop. The next year, I held the workshop. There were five consecutive workshops in that time slot. More people came to mind than any other workshop on any other sexual subject. We filled the room, and then I realized, this is a very popular topic. There's a need there. Why don't I write a book on it? That's how it happened. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. So tell us, what is erotic talk? Well, erotic talk, most people think of talking dirty. That's the first thing that comes to mind. But talking dirty is one essential part of erotic talk, but it's only one part of a much broader spectrum. Because actually, erotic talk is any form of verbal communication that arouses desire. So it could be desire to connect from the heart, desire to connect from the genitals and have sensual pleasure, or a combination of them. And it can include things like giving erotic appreciation or validation, like, oh, you're such a wonderful lover, your skin feels so soft to my touch, or sensual feedback, oh, when you touch me like that, I get so turned on. Making a request, I'd love it if you'd stroke my hair really slowly. Erotic questioning, which I can go into a little later if we talk about ways to gently introduce erotic talk to your partner. And I'll talk about it a little later. There's something I call erotic nurturing, how to be sensual and soothing while you're still being steamy hot. There's erotic power play, exchanging words of dominance and surrender, 
and erotic devotion, the kind of communion that comes when you're feeling deeply, deeply connected and bonded as you're making love to your partner. So there's so, as I said, there's so many different variations. It's such a rich field of possibility. I have had quite a few people ask me about pillow talk, and I honestly, <laughs> I feel like I'm not one to talk. I <laughs> like I definitely don't feel like a master of pillow talk. I feel like I could definitely improve my pillow talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I feel like it's probably because I feel a little bit self conscious. Do you feel like Absolutely. there are there are some challenges or difficulties in doing this? Mm-hmm. It's totally natural, and a lot of people feel shy about starting to talk with a partner. You know, what if I, something comes out of my mouth that they think is funny, or if they, they think it's turned off by it, or they think it's silly, or, you know, it does. And people often come to me in my classes and said, I don't know how to introduce this to my partner, and my partner has asked me that they'd like to have me talk sexy or dirty to them. So I say to them, start very slowly, but I say to start very slowly with something very simple. And the two simple things that you can do with a partner to introduce pillow talk is something called erotic questioning. Let me give you an example. Suppose you touch your partner in two different ways. First, you touch them very, very lightly with your fingertips in a certain area of their body that they enjoy, and then touch them more with more pressure in that same area. And then you would ask them, honey, which feels better? This or this. So by doing that, first of all, that's less scary than having to just create some dirty talk image in your mind. That is actually easy because you're asking your partner for information. And so it's easier on you and it's also a delight for your partner because your partner says, wow, he's really interested or she's really interested in finding out how to please me more effectively. Uh, you know, well, she really wants to fine-tune her lovemaking or he really wants to know what makes me feel good. And then the third thing is that you're getting information from your partner uh, of how to please them more effectively. So that's called erotic questioning. You can also do it in two different parts of the body. Well, which feels better if I stroke you here or if I stroke you here? And then they can give you that feedback. And then there's another part of that which is also much easier than just coming out and making up some lusty saying is if you give your partner feedback if they're making love to you, uh, like, oh, honey, when you touch me right there, oh, that is so perfect, and I'd like you to go just a little bit slower. Yeah, oh, my God, that feels so good. So that is just introducing the flow of words and language as you're also, and connecting it to your feelings. People feel much less self-conscious when they get out of their heads and stay tuned into the pleasure in their bodies. The words come directly from that deep feeling in your body. It's much easier and, you know, disconnecting. Wow. And my next question was going to be some recommendations. So you've already given us some recommendations. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are just really quick. Now, there's erotic talking, but then there's erotic listening. How can we be a better listener? I mean, maybe a more active listener on the side of erotic listening. Well, there's an art to erotic listening, to really allowing yourself to fully enjoy your partner's words, the tone of his or her voice. And what I tell people, it's sort of putting a shift in your consciousness. And and I use sort of the, the following imagery. Everybody has taken a warm shower where the temperature of the water is just perfect and you feel it beating all on your body and it feels so good and your skin just tingles from the delicious feeling of the warm water, you know, penetrating your body and your muscles start to relax and let go. 
Well, erotic listening is, is like taking a warm shower, only this time you imagine that you have sense of auditory nerves all over your body, like your ears all over your body, and the shower is suddenly your partner's voice. So you, your, your partner's voice is cascading all over your body, and you're taking it in with your skin, with your uh, heart, with your back of your neck, with your genitals. You're just allowing your partner's voice to penetrate your body, almost as if they were their hands were touching you. And, and start as you shift into that state, it can become very enjoyable, especially if your partner has learned how to modulate their voice to make it more sensual and enjoyable. So you gave us some recommendations, but I think that there is a kind of space, an emotional space that you need in order to feel free to have this erotic talk. Um, so is there anything that couples can do to have a kind of safe emotional space for erotic talk? Yes, actually, there's a whole segment on my book. It's called Creating an Erotic Safety Net with Words. And what that is, is that when you're sharing what you both love and want in lovemaking or, or don't want in lovemaking or sharing fantasies, it's sitting there with each other in a non-judgmental way so that when your partner may make a request of you that hits you in a way to think, oh my God, I don't want to do that. I don't even like that. Instead, there are two things you can do. If they're actually caressing you or making love to you in a way that you don't like, instead of immediately saying, oh, stop, I don't like that, or, oh, too slow, you're going too fast, or whatever, instead of, t- which breaks the fl- a natural flow and, and, and makes your partner feel, oh, I've been criticized, and, you know, it, it just pull, makes them pull away, what you can do is tell them what you want instead. So instead of saying, oh, I don't like that, don't you just say, you know, what I would really love right now is if you would caress me right here, if you would just suck on my ear right now, that would feel so good. So you let me know instead, bypassing any critique. But there's another way you can do that, and that is by, say you're sharing, you want to start sharing intimate fantasies with your partner because you like to, you know, turn each other on with each other's creative minds. And so you might be scared that if you share a certain fantasy, they might, might turn them off or trigger them. So I have partners make an agreement with each other. I'm going to listen to your fantasy and I'm try to be non-judgmental about it. If I find that I am triggered because it just hits me in a way that makes me feel like I want to retract, instead of saying to your partner, oh my gosh, oh, I don't like that, that really disgusts me or something. What you let your partner know is, hey, right now I'm feeling triggered. An example, well, I know you just said you have this secret fantasy of wanting to have sex with a priest or a nun, but the fact is that triggers me because I was raised a, a Catholic and, you know, you don't think about that with religious figures. So I just want you to know that I'm triggered here. So you acknowledge and take responsibility for your own reaction rather than blaming or putting it on your partner. That's very important. And then at the same time, you try to listen to your partner with an open mind and if they're, you know, and they tr- and they try to by the same do the same for you, and by noticing what what each other's triggers are, you then also try to notice what are the things you share that you both find are a turn on. So maybe you have a fantasy that you both think is exciting, like let's fantasize about making love in public. You may not want to do it because we could get caught in a recipe. Let's have this fantasy that we go to a ball game and then you know whatever. 
or when it was making love in the back of a theater, which some people actually, in movie theaters, I understand some people have done. So, you know, just holding this very non-judgmental, compassionate space for each other and knowing you who all have very different experiences and different imaginations and respecting the difference while looking for common ground. And there is a difference between a kind of starting, like a starter erotic talk and something like a very, very dirty, like right, almost aggressive, right? Oh, yeah. Well, very, use very dirty language, using really lusty, raunchy language, which most people think of when they talk about talking dirty. And here's the thing about that, and, and there it can be a lot of fun, especially when you're feeling very turned on. I think it's a timing thing. I, I think if you start using lusty talk too soon in the in the uh, process of making love, it can be a turnoff for, for some people. Other people, it isn't. But you need to test that with your partner. However, I have noticed that there are certain words that really trigger people, and that's because I call talking dirty a double-edged sword. Because unfortunately, in this culture, most Western cultures that speak English, the same words that we use to arouse, to describe those lusty feelings are words we use to insult people and put them down. And we all know what those words are. Sadly, a lot of four-letter words are used to make fun of people, put them down, and verbally abuse them. So because of that, I think it's a really good idea to check out what are the trigger words with each other. And I have something in my book. It's called The Dirty Talk Exploration Game, where I have people read. I have a whole list of every possible word I have found in the English language. There may be more, but this is what I've got. Words for male genitals, words for female genitals, words for different aspects ways of making love. And you just said, try them out with each other. And you, know, you can use them in a sentence to make it not just stick out as a the word. And notice, the word will have one of three effects on you. Yeah, it'll turn you on. It'll turn you off. Actually, four effects. It'll leave you totally indifferent. Clinical words often do that. Or it'll make you laugh. It'll be a silly. So there are four possible reactions. So you just, you know, take note of those reactions and you know to make sure to use those words that have the most juice in them for each other that commonly turn both of you on. Or you can also create your own secret private words, which I love to do because you have a special private word used for a certain body part with your partner. And then if you can use it in public and people don't know what you're talking about, but you do. So that kind of it makes a little more of an intimate bond at that moment. What a um, smart idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can give you, I don't know if you want examples of some of the words that people that have, I found. But, yeah, give us some examples. Well, okay, here are some words that people have found for male genitalia, which I thought were very similar, were funny. I mean, there's the usual ones, penis, which is so clinical. You know, that one's neutral, I guess, and yeah. Willie, if you have a British and pecker and words like that. But there are two <laughs> words that have triggered people, and because they're in the people's names, they're very common, the word Dick and Peter, which are used for the male penis, you know, if you have a, a a relative or a friend or <laughs> with a, with that name, it can sort of neutralize the impact of it, or even be a turnoff. So I, I don't ever use those terms. And there's certain words that I don't like. I had a partner who he used the word prick a lot to describe his penis, and I find the word prick, which also has a derogatory, could have a derogatory meaning, meaning a jerk. So I told him not to use it at, at all because it was having a bad effect on me. So I found a lot of interesting, colorful names like trouser snake, lingam, which is one I really like. Lingam is used in the Tantra community, and they use another word for uh, 
female vagina, which is, again, a very clinical name. The toxic community is the word yoni. I love the word yoni because it's a very beautiful, almost poetic word. Also, other names for women's genitalia have been heaven, pubis, shrine of love, very devotional, paradise. Uh. Somebody used the term happy valley. (laughs) 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 I thought it was kind of descriptive. Quim, chalice, again, a devotional word. Star, in in one culture they use the term star. And uh, for men, there were some very humorous ones. John Thomas, Oliver Twist. Mr. Happy, probably goes with the Happy Valley as a woman. <laughs> and there was one called Trouser Snake. I think I gave you that one. Mm-hmm. Flowering Rod, Bugle, Musical, popular <laughs> Musical. So there's there's all kinds of colorful words you can phallus, which is a very common one that people use also. So uh, there, as I said, it, it can be a fun game to describe to describe you know and discuss which words work and which don't. Another thing that I suggest, if you're, if you're feeling uncomfortable with lusty words, get a really good erotic book. I have I have not yet read Fifty Shades of Grey, so I don't know. <laughs> I know everybody is reading it, but there is a wonderful sensual books people can get to read to each other that have erotic talk, very well written by people who are very literary and so know how to create it in both poetically and, and also in a very descriptive, lusty way. So. You know, start reading to each other, and then maybe when you get the courage in, you can start making up your own hot stories. Wonderful. Those are some wonderful recommendations. I think you've you've given us weeks, if, if not months, of uh, practice ahead of us. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. So, Bonnie, what are you what are you looking forward to now that you've talked? all about your wonderful uh, art of erotic talk. What are you looking forward to over the next 6 to 12 well, months? Well, I do a lot of blogging. I write articles. I have a website and blog at uh, lovetalk.org. And I, you know, continue. When new ideas come to me, I just put them on my blog. And I have an ebook that I put together. It's a 14-page ebook called Your Daily Verbal Aphrodisiac which is a huge list of sensual suggestions and erotic state sayings that you can share with your partner. And that's available on my website. And then I have a free little booklet that I offer anybody who comes to my website and needs their email. It's uh, called Verbal Charisma, How to Attract a Lover and Pave the Way to a Passionate Relationship. And I keep writing, you know, things like that to um, support people in expressing the depth of their sensual desires through their words, which is sometimes for people the scariest thing, and I try to make it less scary and easy and natural. Wonderful. Bonnie, you gave us so many recommendations, and I really appreciate this. I can't wait to um, to post this podcast up and, and to chat with you more. Thank you. I enjoy it. Wonderful. Thanks so much. And we will, we will stay in touch and publicize about all your wonderful comings up. That's a good word for it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Eric. I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about Get Lusty, visit GetLusty.com, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at GetLusty, and have a lusty day.